When you're never afraid to listen, when you activate your compassion, when you change wrongs to right, inspire hope and go where you never thought you could. That's when you can change the world, change lives forever. This is I Changed the World with Frankie Picasso. Hello there and welcome to International Women's Day 2022. Happy, happy. If you all bear with me just for one moment before I do the introductions, I would like to tell you a little story. In 2015, I was sitting in a movie theater watching trailers, the commercials that play before the feature film begin, and one began to play and it literally rocked my world. I could not wait to leave the theater so I could go to their website, learn more about what I had just seen. And that commercial was the introduction to the United Nations Global Goals. I've been a podcast host since 2007, but I was searching for more. It's now 2014. I'd been asking for months for the universe to help me do something with meaning. And God had just given me my answer. The Global Goals gave me a renewed purpose. They re-energized me so much so that I created the Good Radio Network, radio that does a world of good, to help fuel that agenda. My name is Frankie Picasso, and it's not every day when the facets of one's world collide in such a beautiful way. The show that we are on today is called I Changed the World, and I'm so blessed to be sitting here with my sisters from the G100 Media Arts and Communication Wing, as well as my family at Girl Power Talk. And as I look around me, I'm getting chills. It dawns on me that here I sit with the architects of the future, women who are literally pushing the agenda of global goal number five, gender equity. And I cannot help but think that our future is going to be brighter with all of you here to help create it. So thank you so much for being here with me today on this auspicious occasion. So, (laughs) okay, I'm going to go around the room and ask each of you to introduce yourself. And I'm going to start with um, our two esteemed leaders first. So Rashita, I'm going to start with you because you're on a a power crunch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in case we, we lose you. Um, let's start there. Hi, Frankie. Thank you for uh, passing on the mic and the stage to me. It is absolutely an honor and uh, a wonderful opportunity to be here today and sharing uh, this conversation in the Zoom room with amazing women from all across all across the globe. And to just introduce myself. Hi, my I'm Rachita. Uh, I am the CEO and co-founder of Girl Power Talk and like Frankie just called Girl Power Talk her family. It is everything to me. Uh, It is a movement that's enrooted in empowerment and ambition. And for me, as long as I remember, I have been that rebellious women in my family who wanted to fight against all the biases. And given the theme is also breaking the bias this year, it has been always for me about breaking the bias and encouraging more women to take the path that they really want rather than what they are being told to pursue. And Girl Power Talk is my dream that has been channelized for so long. And I'm so fortunate that there are five wonderful women from our team today sharing the space with us. Um, and the idea behind uh, Girl Power Talk and the uh, for me, the most important thing as, a, as an agent of change is that making sure that women from all background, all age, uh, understand and recognize that within themselves is the power to change the future. 
and pass it on that to the next generation of women. So this is me. My, my life's journey is dedicated to empowering tomorrow's leaders. And I'll kick it back to Frankie. Thank you so much. That's beautiful. It really is a family at Girl Power Talk. And my other family, <laughs> Alex Okorji, please introduce yourself. You're on mute, Alex. <laughs> Still on mute. How do I do this all the time? This is so know. weird. I love Thank live you. radio. <laughs> right. Thank you so much, Frankie, um, for putting together this amazing session and this amazing panel. And as always, I'm always excited to be in the space, you know, sharing space with amazing women women and young women from around the world. My name is Alex Okorji. Um, I'm the global chair for G100 Media Arts and Communication. And um, in my other life, I am an artist, <laughs> creative. Um, I run a media company. I'm a media personality. Uh, I think we've been doing this for quite a while, uh, radio and all, and I have collaborated with lots of women. Um, I guess the beauty of what we're doing is being part of a mission where we truly are committed to SDG number five, which is, you know, gender equality. And we want to bring women and men together, create a harmonious, balanced, peaceful environment so that women and men and children and all can thrive. So I'm grateful to be here. Excellent. So now we'll start and we'll go across the top here. Please introduce yourself. Well, thank you so much, Frankie, for having me on this very special panel on this very special day. Um, so hi friends, I'm Swapna Abraham. I'm a singer, songwriter, um, actor, interior designer, mentor, um, mother and grandmother. And um, I'm also the India Country Chair for G100 Media Arts and Communication. Um, I always believed that one of the greatest strengths of women is this um, ability to multitask, that we can be literally be in two or three places at the same time and be physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually present. Um, and I'm, I'm not that I'm anywhere else now, but I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's, uh, and I, I, I'm really, really happy that we can be all of that. And, and I'm sure all of us have been doing a lot of special things today. And um, it's, it's, it's really nice to have this opportunity to speak a bit about um, what makes us very special as women um, and, and how we need to have our rightful place in this world with our counterparts. Um, it is worth standing for. It is, um, we don't need to fight for it. We just need to stand for it. And I think it will happen sooner than most people expect it to happen. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. And thank you for our beautiful background today. <laughs> Marion, please introduce yourself. Thank you, Frankie. Hi, everyone. My name is Mario Nekesa. I am from Kenya, and I am a young leader at Girl Power Talk, where I specialize in marketing and communications, among other things. And wow, what a day, what, what, what a way to spend International Women's Day. This room, this space, I am so humbled and honored to exist in such a powerful space with amazing women. And I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you here and beyond. Thank you. Thank you for that. Beautiful. Ishita? Uh, thank you, Frankie. Hi. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Ishita, and I'm a young leader at Girl Power Talk, and I'm from Pune, India, and I'm part of marketing and communications. So um, 
I'm really, really honored to be here as well. And I'm so excited about the conversation that we're going to have. And um, yeah, very, very fortunate to meet all of you today. And I really look forward to speaking with you. Thank you. Me? need to reach a mile to unmute myself. Hello, everyone. I'm me, Elverson, and I'm the UK chair of the G100 Mac, and incredibly honoured to be so. I am based in the UK. I'm actually Swedish from the start, but I lived here for um, almost half of my life. And I am also the founder of the Vlog Academy. And I also run a community in the centre, which is called iStorm, which is all uh, to encourage women to step forward and be their best selves. Because I think that, as you've mentioned already, we are awesome, um, but we need to show that we need to step forward and we need to have the confidence to do so. Uh, it's clear that the men who are in power in this world are not succeeding very well. So I think that it's a good time to make the change. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Courtney. Hello, everyone. I'm Courtney, and I'm from the Philippines. I'm a young leader as well at Girl Power Talk. And can I just say, I'm in absolute awe of everybody here. I, I'm so grateful and honored to be in the presence of women whom I know I can look up to and learn from. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to today's session. I hope we can share every insights that we know and yeah, just learn from one another, basically. Thank you. Thank you, Courtney. Simran, so glad you're here. Thank you, Frankie. It's an honor to be here. Hi, everyone. My name is Simran, and I'm also a young leader at Girl Power Talk. Uh, I work in the content writing department. I love playing with words. And as Achita Mam said, I've been a feminist as long as I remember. I already thanked Frankie, but the other person I have to thank for being in this powerful room is Achita Mam herself for giving me opportunity to be part of the family at Girl Power Talk and being here. It's a humble privilege to be here. This room is virtually and literally buzzing with energy with the wonderful women that are here. And I can't hardly believe I'm here. It's just looking forward to this conversation and going back with deep thoughts. Thank you. Sonam, welcome. Hi, everyone. I hope I'm audible. You okay. Are. So, okay. Thank you. Uh, first of all, I'm seriously so excited to be here as there are all, a lot of women here and also everyone is inspiring in their own ways. And uh, okay, with my introduction, I would say that I'm a content writer and a young leader at Girl Power Talk. I recently joined here. So it's been a privilege for me to join mm -hmm. here and work as a, a young leader here. And as a content writer, I believe that I want to write for a change in every way and specifically uh, in situations of women all around the world, because there are a lot of issues that are not discussed very well, uh, that, are that are just discussed on the surface. And we need to discuss those topics in a deep way. So that's all I want to do. And I want to write so better that people just take inspiration from my writings and that's my aim. I'm really excited to know your views on over my things and that's it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And Cresta, please introduce yourself. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everybody. My name is Cresta Duroje. I'm from Nigeria. I'm based in Nigeria. 
I am a productivity expert and a certified professional organizer. So I'm crazy about productivity and organizing from your time to your environment, your spaces. When I hear organizing, it's like, gosh, my head starts spinning. I'm an author, I'm a podcaster, I'm a life strategist and a coach. And then I'm also the uh, director of operations on the global advisory um, board. So I'm so excited to be here because I have this group of women that I recently started working with. And um, part of what I've just noticed is that we tend to want to take the back seat or be on the back burner. And this year I position myself to bring women out, like practically, literally drag them out of their holes and bring them to table. And like someone said to me, when there's no space for you at table or no seat for you at table, please come with your chair. And when there's no table for you, please construct your own table. So I've constructed a table and I'm pulling a lot of women onto tables. So I'm excited and the room is truly buzzing with energy. Thank you for having me here, Frankie. And I'm happy to meet every one of you ladies. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Krista. I love that. I love that so much. Ah. Okay. Um, I, I, I think I should just let you know one other thing or two other things about me that I am on the Global Advisory Council for the G100 Media and Communication Team. I am the Director of Communications and I'm also the Relationships Mentor at Girl Power Talk, but I'm also an author and an artist and a podcaster and activist, animal activist, humanist, <laughs> all of those wonderful things. So thank you for joining me today. I'm so, so happy. The UN states that gender equality is not only a fundamental right, but a necessary foundation for a peaceful, prosperous, and sustainable world. Now, it says it's a tremendous waste of the, humans, of the world's human potential when half of it are denied a chance to live at its fullest. That half is us. <laughs> so what are we going to do about that, ladies? Well, I think that we started to do some things. But Alex, let, um, before we start, I just, I, 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 did you want to say something about Ukraine or would you want me to? Let me Go just. Go ahead, Frankie. <laughs> you know, I, I've been very disturbed, as, as I'm sure all of us have been, about what's going on in the Ukraine right now. But I just want to lend our prayers to the, to the women and the children and the families and the men over there who are suffering and just let them know that while we are celebrating women today, we're also thinking about them and giving our prayers for, for the best for them. And um, we wish them all well. Okay. Um, Alex, why don't you start with what the plans, let's say, <laughs> with the G100, like it's buzzing with energy about, um, but break the bias is our theme today. So let's talk about breaking the bias and what biases you know, really get you. Okay, Frankie, you had to throw me right under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> I did throw you under well, the bus. I know, no, no, no. Well, um, so first of all, I, I guess one of the amazing, first of all, the main G100 mission, um, I'll talk about G100 for a bit. Uh, G100's mission really is to um, mobilize as many gender champions as we can so that we can achieve gender equality in this decade. You know, we don't want to wait 10 years, 100 years for that to happen when you're no longer here. You're an I, right? Yeah. We want to see it right now. And we understand that for this to happen, we need this, we need the participation of women 
across different sectors, across different um, stratas of you know society, and of course the men as well. Because sometimes we have these conversations, and the men who should be and you know who should listen to us are not there in the room. So we're talking to ourselves. You know, we're having conversations with ourselves, and the men who should be um, listening and hearing, you know, and hearing some of the stories and understanding how some of the decisions that they have, the policies that they put out there affect us. And so we understand that we need more women at, you know, at leadership positions, in leadership positions, so that we can affect change, you know. Um, so some of these decisions and policies are factors, but there are very few women, right, at the hems of the fair. So the idea and I guess the mission of G100 is to because we understand that economic empowerment is so essential for women to be able to do anything in the world. But we also know that for the UN to be able to achieve other SDGs, if they achieve SDG five faster, they can achieve other SDGs because women are centered to everything. Yeah. Women are in the environment, they're in education, they're in, you know, what, like what are, all the other SDGs are dependent on women actually being able to mobilize themselves to achieve it. So that's the mission of G100 and G100 has, done a fabulous job in not just walking by itself, but spreading this network into 100 sectors. And so there are 100 sectors representing women in all kinds of fields from spaceship to eco-civilization, to political leadership, to media, arts and communication, that's us, to you know business, uh, to global networking, and to so many different, to IT, to tech, to STEM, there's just a diverse group of women and young, you know, let's just when we say women and men as well. And so for us here at G100 Media Arts and Communication, our I guess our goal is being the voice, right? Being the voice of women, to be able to tell the stories, to be able to um, um, put a face to some of these, to some of the experiences, to be able to use our platforms to highlight the impact and the growth and the value of women. And I'm very, I would like to say congratulations to, you know, the, the tribute that we put out today uh, for IWD, where Frankie, of course, and some of the women here have shared, the, you know, their vision for women. They've shared their, their view about women and they've shared how they are breaking the bias. So thank you, Frankie. Thank you. Rishita, Girl Power Talk, you, you had a vision and your vision is really to help send future global leaders out into the world. And, and from what I've seen as, as the mentor, that so many of these wonderful girls that are here with us today um, will be walking into boardrooms around the world, I think, and, and really changing the face of what we see. And there's not any ceiling any longer that's gonna hold anybody back. Just tell us about your vision. In the bio. Yeah, and I think, sorry. Thank okay. you, uh, Frankie, and I'll also, of course, add on to what Alex said, and I'll leverage some of her uh, points. But talking about the bias, I would like to start. It really, it really starts, uh, especially as a young woman growing up in a South Asian community, and I think that's also true for all across the world. Um, that the bias is conditioned within us when we are really, really young. You know, uh, when you are told that, okay, just, you know, make sure that your skirt is a little below the your knee length and make sure that, you know, you're back home or you're not playing with the boys or you look at the aeroplanes and you want to buy one of those toys and instead you have, uh, you get access to dolls and clothes and accessories or look nice, look prettier. Of course, there's nothing bad with looking nice or looking pretty, but why is it only told to women or young girls to, you know, go over that extra mile to look pretty, 
and not to the little boys because you know i think if it is a personality grooming then it should be equally provided or trained both the genders on the same uh but the biases starts really young so for us if you want women and young girls to stop accepting that to stop accept, accepting being put into a box and being confined to the roles you have to really start changing lives when they are younger because it gets as you grow up it gets harder to break down the patterns or move out of the life that you have lived for so long or the way you have given in into the societal expectation and now uh, break it and come out and be all uh, strong about it is easier doing when you know you find them young so for us it has been a really uh, a mission to be able to empower as many as young girls possible because right when they're 14 right they're 15 or they're 18 and you tell them that this is what you are supposed to do uh this is what how you are supposed to lead your life and this is how you're supposed to learn that women are not your competition and that's not something that you have to uh you know i mean the jealousy factor and i think it's also i'm sorry if i'll quote some of the uh terms or ideologies that as a south asian women growing up uh, we heard often was you know women on your biggest competitors or look at her how pretty she is and how do you look so the ingrained jealousy that you have to be better than the other woman or you have to compete with the other woman is the time to change that now with this generation that mm-hmm. women are friends and we need mentors and leaders as women to look up to so for us our uh, mission our vision has been to empower young girls and like alex said of course young boys and uh, non binary individuals with opportunities that are based on merit and not based on the color their gender their economic background but purely on the merit and of course the unconscious bias that within girl power talk we have towards hiring more women and we are often questioned that uh isn't that unfair you talk about equality but then you have unconscious bias uh, you have sorry conscious bias towards hiring more women it is you know the years and decades of uh, oppression and unequal practices that has been done out there that we are trying to balance and we're trying to do that by imparting skills skills that are life changing be it financial freedom be it communication uh be it uh, you know the personality skills that they learn as a part of girl power talk that they can be confident about their own selves and in the future they don't have to look up to a male figure in the family to support them and they are independent and that is really important to us to find young women and have them see this path that they can lead and uh, that they can walk and lead a life that others look up to uh, and it just started with india and now we are in over 15 plus countries so that has been uh a really big success for us because this is not a model that can or this is not uh, i would say an issue that is only restricted to one country but it's something that women across the world feel that they do not have access to equal opportunities and for us it has been uh, a way to eradicate uh, the inequality out there amazing to me. Um I just got to go to Simran for a moment because Simran based upon what uh, Richita has said can you just tell us the journey when you started at girl power talk some of your thoughts about those biases and maybe how you've changed and what you've learned for, for sure thank you frankie uh i start off by saying what rachita mam said is 
more than 100% true about it being conditioned, about the jealousy, about us not having opportunities and having to look up to a man because there is no other role model as a woman. Uh, if I talk about my journey at Girl Power Talk, it's been nothing sort of magical. Uh, I started off as one of the youngest people at Girl Power Talk, even in the very young uh, age group that we have. And it was honestly intimidating to be among such wonderful, brilliant, smart people and feeling so odd, uh, always feeling that what if I'm not good enough and having that, uh, having that thought that I think everyone has with women more than men, because that is what they're taught. They have to be perfect to be good enough in the society. I had a lot of myself, had a lot of thoughts, uh, wanting to do a lot of things but at the same time I also had a lot of unconscious bias but being at Girl Power Talk being with uh, mentors like Rashida Ma'am like Frankie and having uh, team members who were mentors as well that is one of the things at Girl Power Talk we have this wonderful mentorship culture where everyone teaches each other so working with these people from around the world who have very diverse opinions, whose opinions are smart, where you can voice your opinions and they are heard without judgment. But you can learn not just technically, which is a great deal you learn technically as well, more than your own field, uh, as Marion, I think, mentioned, we work across the board. But also personally, developed, I developed so many soft skills. Speaking, I can speak today very confidently in front of anyone. But when I first started, I couldn't even turn off my turn on my video in our first team meeting. So that is one thing that has grown. I have grown confident. I have more clarity of thought. Uh, I know today what Rashida Mam said is when I started, I felt that I was alone on this huge path to change. But I know today that I have support. I have wonderful women and men and non-binary people who will have my back in whatever I want. They might not always agree with me. We might have conflicts. We might have difference of opinions. But I know that we can together, stand together and bring about change. And that is, I think, the most beautiful thing about Girl Power Talk, having a community who believes in you, who you can grow with, learn from, and talk to when you're feeling low and turn to that is girl power talking to me. Thank you, Simran. Thank you for that. Me, I'm going to ask you, because I, I think we're probably of a similar era. <laughs> for, forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, but when you were coming up, how many, how many, you know, women, let's say, were jealous of you or stood in your way or thought that you were competition to them? instead of giving you that hand up, maybe they did, I don't know, um, kind of wanted to crawl over you or were told, no, you're a girl, you can't have that job. Or you were told, um, girls don't sit like that. You have to sit pretty, things like that. Like, did you encounter, what biases, let's say, did you encounter? Absolutely. I mean, I, the thing is, and, and this is quite interesting because I, I'm fascinated by these young women who are so aware and so brave and so confident already and seeing you and hearing you talk is just absolutely fantastic. And that is actually part of my mission is to bring more young people in earlier because when I was young, I'm extremely fortunate, right, and privileged to have grown up, been born into and grown up in one of the most um, gender equal countries in the world. Um, we had a good life. We have a good life there. And even in the U United Kingdom, um, it's 
fairly equal. At least that's what we think, but everything is relative, right? So even though we are much more, we have much more equality than many other countries in the world, of course, you realize after a while, and I think with me, I, I didn't have that support as a teenager or even as a young woman. It was just the way it was. You accepted the situation and you were so used to it. So talk about unconscious bias. Um, everyone was living with it, and especially the women, of course. I, I would like to say we were fooled, you know, because they, they still, my mom's generation still believe in these things because no one has tried to change them. And the whole feminist movement has been very sort of um, marmite, if you like, if you understand that expression. Um, it's, um, it's become looked down upon and it's in Sweden it was seen as something um, shouty and became quite negative unfortunately um, so saying now that you're a feminist it's getting a little bit better better but a few years ago it was a little bit shamey um, which is crazy but we've still consider ourselves being very gender equal I started in film and TV production very early on. So you can imagine um, that was a place where you had a lot of things going on. We are supposed uh, to be, you know, the forerunners of the world with, with technology, with in, uh, creative creativity and inspiration. Um, we set standards. We talk about, we, we hold the news. We uh, deliver, you know, documentaries and, and the latest, right? Um, and still, we are suffering from the heaviest sexual misconduct stamps and a history of just darkness in our industry. Um, so that's something I would very much like to work with in the G100 Mac to have a look and investigate what's going on there. But it's slightly different topics. So to go back to your question, did I experience that? Yes, I experienced that from, from very, very early on, um, starting with my own mother saying, um, can I have my little boy when she needed something done that was more technical or heavy lifting? <laughs> um, up to, of course, in the film industry where all the girls were in, behind the camera, either, of course, in front of the camera or doing the admin work, like production manager, scheduling, coordinating, uh, makeup artists, all those kind of jobs. And all, all the guys had the heavy lifting work. And I was actually quite interested in lighting and, you know, helping out the gaffers and, and the heavy stuff. And I really enjoyed that. But it just wasn't done. So, and we still suffer from a great lack of female directors, which is really, really sad. So yes, the industry is full of bias, and I've seen it all. And in front of the camera, of course, you would have to, I worked with casting for very high-end commercials all around the world on the big commercials you see in the movie theater. So uh, everything from Kellogg's to Volvo to beer and, you know, uh, all sorts. And um, of course, it was a lot about beauty and, and the pretty girls and the pretty boys as well. Mm -hmm. So you had to filter out a lot of people who just didn't cut the mustard in that respect. So that, and that's hard, you know, because how, how are you going to change that when, you know, a, a lot of the world's population likes seeing pretty, 
They do. We are drawn to pretty and we've grown up with that. And thank God for these young women now who, who are promoting intelligence and it's not about your looks. It's about, you know, what you have and how you share it and your energy and your everything else. It doesn't matter what we look like. We should still be able to thrive and be part of, of and, and share our passion. And that's a lot about what I teach. You know, it's, it's for expert to not think they're influencers and go out in a bikini with a cocktail, <laughs> but to just share their expertise as themselves. I love that. I love that. I'm just going to give a shout out to uh, Bert Mann. Bert Mann is my dad. And I say that everybody should have my dad as their dad because he said I could do or be anything I wanted to be in the world. And, and he meant it. Although he still had that bias of, and do it when it be pretty. <laughs> you got to be pretty. You still got to be pretty to do it. But, you know, I was, I was the first female kickboxing promoter in the world. Like I managed a 12 time champion. I worked in boxing. I worked in industries, condoms. I worked in industries where, um, you know, women weren't the first thought to be there. And it was very exciting for me, but I was thinking about that yesterday and thinking there was no bias there against me. Like the guys that I worked with, they never said, well, you're a woman, you can't match fights. So you're a woman, you can't put on this production. Nobody ever said that to me. It was just like, can you get me a win? Can you get me a win? I go, yeah, I can do that. So they, I, I guess it's the confidence we project, maybe. I'm not sure. But it could be that, that, that they never stopped and said. But when I wanted to work in the car industry, sell vehicles, no, you can't do that. You're a woman. How can you sell a car? And the guys actually said to me, we can't have her on the floor because she's going to sell more cars than us. I go, why would I sell more cars than you? Oh, well, look at your breasts. I go, what do breasts have to do with engines? Are you driving my breasts? Are you driving a car? Come on. It, it, the thought process for, for them was ridiculous, but it's still there. I think there's still a little bit of that in the industry, in a lot of industries today, a lot of industries. And I guess it depends too what country you're brought up in. And, you know, I just, I kind of just want to go free for all who wants to say something because just to, 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 you know, go one-on-one is a little bit difficult, but I do want to hear from Cresta. Okay. I was, I was just quickly going to weigh in on something that we said. Um, and I think uh, Rachita said and Simran said, because it just, you know, woke, you know, just had me thinking about my own personal experiences as well in the industry. And I can relate to a lot of things that me said, especially being in the film industry in Nigeria as an actress and, um, and thinking about biases, things like colorism, for example, that's something that I dealt with, you know, as an actor, because it was, um, you know, as an African, there's already this perception of what an African looks like. Right. And so sometimes you're not too African, you're not African enough. <laughs> right. And you're, not global enough, whatever that is. It's like, you're not dark skin, dark skin. And, you know, there's a dark skin. So trying to cast you in a role. And then in my country was a bit different because they were appealing to more lighter skin women. So I'm not as light skin as the light skin, light skin woman and not as dark as, you know, the stereotypical African um, ideology that we have about Africans. And, and so it was um, a struggle in a sense because there you are as a talent, very talented, and they will tell you, but at the end of the day, you got cast for a role. And then last minute, somebody will switch you for somebody who was not a much a better talent, but because they appealed to the general social consciousness of what people expect on television. And so you think about how do you change some of these things? And it goes to a lot of things as well. Even growing up, um, 
you know, as a woman and you, and I'm, I'm talking because I think about some of the things that Rachita Rech, uh, and, and Simran said, is that sometimes, you know, we are starting to unlearn some of the things that we picked up as as children, right? Growing up in our diaper days. These are social, you know, thoughts that you have because you believe that this is how you're supposed to behave. Some of those cultural ideologies. And I find myself, you know, at a time where now I have to unlearn some of those things and create my own part. And picking to something that, you know, Cresta said about bringing, creating your own table. It's like, you know, if you don't have those opportunities, what do you do to break the bias? How do you put your, so how do you create that table? And Frankie, you, you talking about, the guys not questioning your abilities, maybe because of the confidence when it came to kickboxing, had me thinking about something that I saw uh, a couple of days ago about energy, right? The male energy and the female energy. And sometimes in our consciousness, there's a certain energy that we exude that we believe that we lack because um, we're supposed to be female, right? And that could be something, example, confidence and maybe compassion on the other side as a female energy and maybe confidence as a masculine energy. And many times when women, so it's not a focus about gender in itself, whether you're male or female, but the, but the actual energy that you exude mm -hmm. when you, you know, pursue your agenda and your goals. So as a woman, you could have some of that, that male energy in terms of being practical and being confident and, you know, and still exude compassion and still exude. And those are the things that I'm starting to learn that it doesn't, you know, and in those areas, when I started bringing out more of that energy mm -hmm. um, and balancing that energy, Nobody asked me, you know, why are you doing this? Like, I don't ask for permission. I just exactly. do what I got to do. Like, I just take it, right? It's like, I stop asking, would you invite me? Would you let me? I just do what I need to do. Right. So um, I, I agree with that 110%. But I remember you telling me, you know, they, they, they told you it cost too much money to light you up because your skin was too dark. I mean, how ridiculous is that? But that's a bias. That's a bias that, that you know, within women of, of color and, and, and us, you know, the lighter your skin, the prettier you are. It's a ridiculous bias. But and it, has it, it women, exists. It does exist. And then you have women in the industry. You wonder why actresses change the color of their skins. I mean, I'm not dark, like, you know, no. dark skin, um, but I wasn't light skin enough. Right. And and so it, you have women, young actresses bleaching their skin because they yeah, hate so their melanin right yeah. they don't like their melanin they're not able to cast they're not able to get jobs and their passion you see them having to leave change the way they are just so they can fit into the stereotype. and I think that that's 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 if nothing else a responsibility that we have as women to be able to celebrate the uniqueness of of the womanhood right you know I'm tired of if somebody says hey you have an accent of course I have an accent I'm African What's wrong with you? <laughs> right? You know, you're Indian. You should have an accent. You we all have, have an accent. Language. We should all have a language. I've never heard anybody speak Spanish with a with an English accent. Yeah. Or yeah. French with an English accent. So yeah. it's, you know, if we understood that, we start to re respect, you know, our diversity and our inclusion. You know, we start to respect that. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about the whole G100 setup in G100 Mac is that you know, we're diverse women from different cultures, from different countries, from different age group. We have a global chair who's 26. She's in the youth empowerment wing. We have women that are all women, women at the highest top of leadership. We've been former presidents. We have women, we have all kinds of women involved and just seeing from different sectors, from different age groups, from different culture, different religion, from different, that's the beauty of, and I think if we understood that we can all work together in solidarity and sisterhood, um, it becomes easier for us to support each other. Yeah. I remember sharing an email with someone and she was shocked. She was like, oh, I'm not used to 
hi sis, hello sis, oh my God, lovey-dovey. I'm like, get, get used to it. You're going to be getting a lot of that. <laughs> and I understand because the cultures are different. And she said in Germany, um, you know, there is that professionalism where people create those boundaries. It's yeah. like people don't want to connect, right? It's like you don't want. And I think what we're showing people is that it's okay to be heart-centered. It's okay to be, you know, to be loving. It's okay. We can still, we can stay, we can still take on the world. We can still do big things and big dreams if we do it together. So if you want to go, you know, if you want to go faster, go together. That's what I believe. Esther, I love that. Yes, I was actually going to raise my hand and then you called my name. <laughs> okay, so I was just going to agree with Rashita that this bias started from a long time ago, from when we were younger. And so it, it kind of became ingrained in us so much so that even when the opportunities are glaring us in the face when they're practically handing the opportunities over to us on the platter of gold. Sometimes we don't want to take it. I know someone mentioned something about um, we lack confidence because the bias has been ingrained from when we were little. So we, we grow up and we're now set in our ways and we're unable to break, let me say, break the bias and come all out and say, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to give it a shot. So let me give an example. Over here, there's um, a joke that we make here in Africa. Well, it comes mostly from the, the other side where they say, um, Sometimes you go for an interview, a lady goes for an interview, a guy goes for an interview, and they ask a question about something that you can do or cannot do. Now, the guy is usually quick to say, I can do that. Meanwhile, he doesn't have the qualification. Now, the lady who has the qualification says, I'm not sure I'm so good at it. And then the guy takes it. He tells himself, Immediately I take it, I'm going to go look out for what I need to do to make it happen. That but we me. have the qualification. <laughs> I can so do we that. We do have the qualification. Yeah, we, we, we are afraid to take it on mm -hmm. and we just shy away. And then somebody who does not know it, does not have it, goes out to look for how yeah. to make it happen. So I just realized that it started really early. Now I talked about um, starting an organization. I'm the founding chairperson of Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals in Nigeria. Now, first of all, this industry is new in Africa. In the US, because I have other um, colleagues in the US and Italy and all of that, they've been on for like um, 45 years and so on. We are just about, I've run this business for about eight years plus, and then I opened the association four years ago. Now, I realized that a lot of people in the um, organizing and productivity industry here in Nigeria, they're all running away. And guess what? Majority of them are ladies. So I don't know if the bias is coming from where you see people making from the opposite gender, saying to us, uh, oh, organizing is a women's thing. You know, mm -hmm. and automatically you find out that people start feeling uncomfortable about being excellent in organizing because it's been labeled a women's thing. Oh, you're only succeeding because it's a women's thing. If there was a, a man, uh, if it was a man thing, then you wouldn't even stand a chance. And I said, you know what? We need to actually break this bias. We need to get mm -hmm. to that point where we think of collaborating with one another. Sometimes what makes us shy away is 
because most of us ladies have been used to competition and jealousy, you know, when we even have the opportunity to host table, we, we don't want to bring fellow ladies on board. We still carry on with the competition and the jealousy. So my charge to everyone within my association is, look, don't be afraid to come on board. They find it difficult. They don't understand when I say, look here, we, we need to come up. There's room for everybody and nobody wants to come up. They're still struggling to, to, um, to overcome the lack of confidence. So I'd like to say that we have a lot of work to do. I, in particular, I know I have a lot of work to do. I have invited ladies to come on board to be part of the board and everybody's shying away. So I have a big mantle on my shoulders and I'm like, no, I'm gonna drag you kicking and biting, but we're going to help one another and we're gonna come on board and we're gonna make the organizing and productivity industry in Nigeria so excellent that when people turn around and they say, oh my God, you mean ladies set this up? They're going to doff their hats for us. So <laughs> I like that's that. Where so I, am. I like that so much. Ishita, I know that, you know, after interviewing a lot of you girls, a lot of the, the young Indian women that I've talked to, they don't want to cook because that's a woman's thing. It's like they might enjoy the creativity of it, but they all say to me, no, I'm not doing that. But women do that. You know, it was almost like it's a negative to want to create a nice meal. So what do you, what, what would you say to that? It's very similar to what you said, Cresta, about it's a women's work, but it's not. Everybody eats. <laughs> and, you know, what do you say to that, Ishta? Yeah, I think that's true, especially for maybe like the younger generation of women who see that like traditionally maybe seeing like moms and older sisters and stuff cooking and you just kind of have this aversion to it because you're like, it's a woman's thing. And maybe even if somebody is asking you to do it just because it's a practical skill you need in life, you're thinking that uh, they're asking you to cook because like I'm a girl and they they think I need to know how to cook. Um, but yeah, I think that... Um, we probably need to be a little uh, mindful and not get too, um, you know, engrossed in that uh, bias that's there. And because cooking is something that everybody kind of needs to know just to survive. And if we want to be independent as women, as men, we need to be able to cook because that's that's like a basic necessity to be able to, you know, live on your own, make your own food. So, um, yeah, I think that... Uh, that's something that I also need to um, work on because I, I do not know how to cook yet. But um, to to think beyond, um, you know, that somebody is trying to corner you and push you into a bias. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, sometimes we get a little, maybe a little too um, critical about what people say. But, um, yeah, I think... Um, we need to just, you know, be mindful of those biases. So like there are bad ones, but there are some uh, that that apply to everybody. And uh, yeah, we need to make use of those. Swapna, I saw you sh nodding your head. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, you know what? I, I never understood why I was sent to a boarding school that was for girls at the age of four. Um, and thousands of miles away from home, right? And I'm like, why so young to a girls' boarding school? I mean, just wait for me to reach the hot age, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Why so young? So we, and then uh, on the opposite hill, we had a boys' school. And I was thinking, there are, you know, there are guys like my kind, but guys over there, they're growing up like this. And we, we, we grew up very imbalanced, if you ask me. We just don't have that collaborative mentality. So we, we are in our world. They're in their world. If we ever get to meet up, it's awkward. We don't even know how to interact. So from a very young age, that's what I was put in, right? So I left school and it was time for, to go to college. There I'm putting a girls' college again, right? And it was time to go to B school eventually. And I'm sure they looked all over the country for a B school that was for women. Unfortunately, uh, the one I got into was one of the good ones, which was mixed, of course. Thank God for that. So, you know, and, and, and it's, it, no, I, I think well, where we are from, it is there. The bias is there in more ways than we can imagine. And see, if you're someone like me that also probably went through a divorce, I, I think that, you know, the impact of divorce on women is also very different from how it is on men and how we bounce back to life. Because we just don't bounce back on our own. We bounce back with the kids, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no way a woman who is, um, there's no way you can, you can let a lioness um, abandon her, her tribe. She's going to stay with them, with the kids, right? Until they're independent. So I think when women want to be leaders, we are, always aware that the load I'm carrying, the one I spoke about the very offset, the introduction was, we're wearing multiple hats because we just have to do it, right? We've got to be these different avatars and be super and perfect and, you know, and, and all of these faculties of ours. And, and it's hard enough for someone who had a balanced upbringing, I think, where you had a boy and girl world. I, we didn't even, my sister and I, your younger sister, we didn't even have brothers. So you know what I'm talking about. We just never grew up with men. And the only person was my father who was, ne who was never there. You see them twice a year. So you're so lost from that, that half of the world, right? And finally, when you go to a workplace and, okay, you had an, an, a wrong marriage. So again, you don't get the whole collaborative mentality. So when you're in a workplace and everything seems awkward because it's, you, look, you are conditioned, first of all, and everything seems to be going wrong as well. So not only do you have to right the wrong, you have to do a double right to right it all together, right? So, and then, so when women are working on their lives, on themselves, on their children as well, or their families, how then do we expect women to rise and find their place in the world alongside our counterparts? How then do we expect women to become leaders, um, to, 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 to mobilize people, you know, to move society in a certain direction? It's almost as if you have to be a single woman to do that, you know, uh, as a, with a family, you may not be able to do it because you've got things to take care of, it's more difficult, <laughs> you know, so, sure. yeah, so I, I think uh, I, I had, I had a role model. My mother's mother was a, was widowed quite early and she was a super woman. So no matter how bad things got for me, I always looked at her and I thought, you know, she had eight kids and all of them landed so well. And she is known in our village and the neighboring villages to be who she is, a leader in her own right. So you know what? I've, I've got that in me. We, we are all that kind of woman. We can be that woman. So no matter if you've had a setback or something, so you, I think you really have to find your way uh, while we work individually. And this is important because if we're not able to fix all these wrongs as individuals, I don't know how we can, I don't see how we can do it as a group, as uh, just women together 
or women and men together. You see what I mean? So I'm really, really happy to be in G100. And, and the whole spirit is not anti-men. It's let's work with men. Let's get yes. to understand this whole ecosystem of genders better. And that's the only way it's going to work. We don't want to put them down. We want to say, hey, you know what? There's too many of you out there. Some of us need to be there as well. <laughs> so the world looks pretty, actually, you know? <laughs> and yeah, that's it. That's, that's it. Exactly. Exactly. So those are, my, those are my two cents. Those are yeah. my two cents on that. Kearney, what are your thoughts on what you're hearing? Yeah, I mean, when she was saying about women should be afforded dreams and, you know, establish, you know, a mindset of what they want to be when they grow up, that just personally resonated with me because I grew up believing that I was never really afforded a dream for myself when I was growing up because when I was like four or five, my dad told me, Courtney, when you grow up, you're going to be a nurse because nurse you know have this connotation and gender bias that when you imagine a nurse you just imagine a woman a feminine mm -hmm. woman and that it's in a medical field and because of the caring nature that may, that nurses have and i think there's also that we should also place an important emphasis that not only gender biases mindset are you know sort of created at like growing up at homes or within the family but also in schools most teachers don't really have or don't really know that they have these gender bias tendencies even when i was in 10th grade i had this writing mentor and i used to write in they them pronouns just to be inclusive and i was a rebel i was just starting to know sort of these things and she told me Courtney, i think we should use a more general pronouns which are the he him pronouns and i was like why i mean if we weren't too careful I, I was really gonna believe that those are the general pronouns that we should use but that's not what really astounded me the most she told me that people tend to have this preference when it comes to writing and what pronouns to use that if i use a she her pronouns on my essays or any write-ups that i would do people are gonna think of me as a feminist and she proved that point as a thing that's a negative thing you know that if i use the she her pronouns during in like my essays i would be labeled as feminist and i wouldn't want people to think of me as that as if it was a bad thing it's, and she just told me let's just be general and go with he him and i didn't know better back then so yeah i feel like it's an important aspect to break that first because schools are like institutions that kind of yeah. mirror our society the habits and norms and systems it's literally a place that's built to you know hone and establish critical thought so if we're not careful with tapping into gender justi justice and gender socializations in these institutions it might build a distorted conception of gender the roles and stereotypes and all these biases yeah thank you for that marian i wanted to ask you coming from kenya um were there biases that that you grew up with that you don't see other places is there a special bias you yeah. think Sorry. Is it was there something that that you that you noticed? You know, now that you know a little bit more about the world around you, is, are there things that that are um, uh, just specific to where you grew up in Kenya? Biases? Yes, I think one there there are so many, but one one that that maybe is stood out the most for me. I think it's an inherent erasure of the identity of women, maybe their independence, their individualism, because 
a woman cannot be respected unless her identity is associated to that of a man's. For example, just yesterday, a woman was attacked in Nairobi by a gang of men in front of everyone. That was very sad. But something that people were saying, even the media, they were saying they were condemning the the issue, of course, but they were saying that could be someone's sister, that could be someone's mother, that could be someone's daughter. But they, 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 they were not saying that could be someone. And I think it's also rooted in our culture because in Kenya, and I think in Africa in general, a woman could be working, she could be independent, she's an adult, but her moving out on her own is frowned upon because parents believe that a woman has to go out of her parents' house to her husband's house. And the only exception is maybe when she's living with an older sister, preferably one who is married or an older brother. So a woman moves from being someone's daughter or someone's sister to someone's wife. So I, I, I would want a future where when something happens, you don't hear that could be someone's sister or someone's mother. No, that could be you. So mm-hmm. I think, yes, that would be you. That would be just someone. And, 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 and another example, Swahili, the word, the word to mean maybe a person or someone is mtu. So when, when, when we were growing up, even now, when, for example, someone says there was someone here to, there was someone asking for you. So in the Swahili word meaning mtu, it is generally assumed that that is a man. To, to, to maybe distinguish that, people can say there was a woman here to see you, but no one really says there was a man to see you. When, when you hear there was someone to see you, it is assumed it is a man. So a woman is not someone. So yeah, I think women's identity, we have to be, we have to be seen as people too. Absolutely. Wow, that's very powerful. Thank you for that. Yes, it, lots to chew on there. Sonam, let's, let's, let's bring you on. What, what would you like to say about breaking the bias and what bias in your household, let's say, would you like to break? Okay, so first of all, I was recently, um, okay, I have this thing. Um, there are in their shows and a lot of not just Indian uh, shows that, you know, there are a series of a particular story and everything. So I was reading a few researches over that and because I had to write an article for my pro- college project. So I found that it is seriously a, a very weird thing that the impact also of cinema and also these series is you know has a great it's been a great on the women's mindset you know in uh specifically in indian shows whenever you see them there are three things first mother-in-law and the uh, mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law are always fighting like they can never be friends you know there is always a competition and it's like whenever the uh, daughter-in-law enters the home the mother-in-law always like this the she's snatching my son away she's just taking my son away from me and all that stuff so it was like very common and when normal journal women who are uh, who are watching such such shows they get this feeling in themselves that whenever there there's a new woman at in your home uh, she will break your home you know she will break your home she needs to be perfect in order to make your home Uh, i heard it from my mother only that she always says that only a woman can build a home because 
you can't take a uh, man for granted they are earning they are doing a lot of things for you so why can't you take, just take care of your home and i was like okay don't tell me i am earning for myself and she is like no no matter how much you earn no matter how you where you do even if you are president of the country you will have to cook for your own self you will have to cook your cook for your family you will have to serve your family and i was like okay i can not i can't i can't change your mind at all because you are just you know as a rachita i'm said you are just ingrained with this thought that women are supposed to take care of the family always no matter which position they are on and the okay so with continuing second point was that the like always women were never you know uh, friends in this uh, in such series and shows because there are there is always a one man who she like they like and they fight over the, him like uh, he loves me more he loves me more and this is so critical like why can't uh, it's so stupid that why we are not blaming that man who is having an affair outside the marriage like no <laughs> we are fighting here because no no he loves me more no no he loves me more so this mm-hmm. is so stupid you know and i feel there are a lot of shows and movies over this thing and we don't talk about this because we think this is just a cinema and i feel no cinema comes from us but we are thoughts mental process everything comes from cinema so we need to hear that okay third point was cinema like just movies hollywood movies uh, hollywood and bollywood movies in you know a, till now there are there is a responsibility over a girl to change a, a badass you know badass man in a good person you know when in um uh, how to say that in earlier movies okay in 90s and you know 80s movies whenever the uh, guy was like not doing anything the parents were had one thing to say that okay just uh, marry him like marry him with a girl and she she will take care of him and i'm like okay you are ruining her life also <laughs> and this guy is also spoiled at all because why they uh, at all i want to say that always the responsibility of uh, making the man up you know uh, uh, serving for the man family is always on the girl no matter how the guy is spoiled and everything the responsibility come on the daughter daughter in law and this that's it okay and i feel okay one more thing i would like to say have you ever failed felt that uh, a mother you know a mother i am a mother and i have a daughter and i have a daughter in law i will always have this bias of my daughter and daughter in law she is like i have this okay she came from a different home so she is not from my home but i will not also accept that my daughter is going to a different home as she they will not accept, accept her the same in the same way like i am not accepting right my daughter in law so this is so weird i like feel i i just felt that this is so weird that we don't think about these things i agree like, with that i just yeah i know in sat i said that we talk about the things on the surface we don't talk about the root whenever you see a show you don't just realize that this is getting in your mind you know there is a subconscious mind that just takes it and you yeah. this bias become very strong so i just feel we need to you know revolution as a cinema force so let me stop let me because... just stop you there so the, you're saying that the women are not recognizing what they are doing to the daughter in law is going to still happen to their daughter when she becomes a daughter-in-law to another right. family. That's true. That's true. And and I understood from somebody I don't know if it's all through India and you guys can tell me if it's true or not but one of the girls told me that when a girl gets married in India she's not allowed to help her family anymore. 
Is that true? Simmer, exactly. you're laughing. Yeah. Uh, I would say uh, mostly. I won't generalize everyone, but on a very large basis, like my sister was just married. Personal experiences. She is an empowered woman who's earning more than her husband. And she was always this huge feminist who I used to take idols from. And then she got married. It was a arranged marriage. But still, uh, her in-laws, she, when she wanted to help like our family out for loans, anything. And in, in India, if you know, uh, a woman's marriage will get debt to the family. So the father will have debt because of the dowry, the extra preparations for the daughter's wedding. And when my sister wanted to help our family out for after the wedding expenses or anything, the, not only her in-laws, our own family, like uh, a huge part of my family is still living in the village. So our own family, my own grand, maternal grandmother was like, you can't do that. You can't let her pay you. Even if she wants to, you have to give it back to her or you have to say you cannot accept it. So yes, that is a very much thing in India that once a daughter is married, she's not yours. And that's the point that came into my mind when Sonam was talking about daughter-in-law and the daughter. There's a saying in India that I think 95% uh, of women here before they're 20, before they're married, beti parai hoti hai, which is Hindi for a daughter is not yours. So daughter always hears that she has to go to another house because when you get married, you go to your in-law's house in India. You do not even live with your husband in a separate house. You so go to your in-law's house. So a daughter is always told that, you know, you cannot be loved enough or you are not invested in enough in terms of your education because you have to go away one day. And on the other hand, as Sonam said, the daughter-in-law has come from another house. So the question is, what is a woman's house? Because in her father's house, she has to go away one day. And in her husband's house, she has to, she has come from another house. So woman has no place in Indian, or I'd say in a majority of Indian households. She is the person who has come from another house. And that is why we need our own identity, where we establish that, you know, we buy our own house. We have our own salaries. We do not need either my father or my husband. I am my own person. What well, very Marian similar to Marion in a way. You need exactly. an identity. So women are lacking an identity. Yeah. That's I, I, was, yeah. Go I, I just I just wanted to say something and just, you know, I'm so grateful for these conversations that we're having because they just spark up different things. Um, you know, talking about identity. And I, I know that um, Swapna mentioned something about we, I mean, if you're divorced, <laughs> which I am, you know, and, as a, you know, as a single, you know, as a single mom, when you become that and, and you lose, I remember having to struggle with that. That was like a public failure, right? It's like, yeah. you fail publicly, right? Because that's the one thing you're supposed to be good at. That's the one thing you should achieve. Just keep your marriage. <laughs> how, can they, how hard can that be? Right. It's not hard. You know, it's, it's so hard. No, that's that's just the one thing you could do. However, people don't consider what are the experiences that you're having. Yeah. What about the identity clashes? What are the things going on in the relationship that they're not privy to? However, the blame and the responsibility goes on the woman to be able to keep her home. And that means sometimes you having to tolerate things that you ordinarily shouldn't or wouldn't, right? Yeah. And we talk about a lot of domestic abuse and domestic violence. We don't know what's going on. A lot of times women won't leave those situations because of how society would perceive them and how they would lose the little respect that they have by virtue of being um, 
you know, attached to a man. And here's the thing, I believe in marriage, I believe in love, I do genuinely believe in that. However, I do believe that our identity comes first because we are the people, you know, yourself, you're the only person you get to leave with for the rest of your life. And there's something that Sunam said that had me thinking about the role and the responsibility that we have as women in media and how media perpetuates, you know, creates sets of nuances in the art that we put out, you know, art imitates life. And we tell these stories, yeah. right? She gave an example of, you know, women fighting over men. Well, how about men fighting over women? You know, you know, situations where you bring this bad guy. And again, as a writer, and I've read in screenplay, um, so I understand that sometimes even to the ball, to the, to the story, are we telling stories that put women in in setting labels and boundaries and limits women and the ideology because young kids young ladies young children grow up first of all engaging with these art and media yeah. right there's a role that we play and then you see these stories where a young lady or a woman has to fix a man right she gets to keep the bad guy it's her job to make him responsible right and that we're not seeing where the responsibilities on the man to change his actions she still has to be a mom to that guy you know she has to be a mom to that guy she has to she's supposed to tolerate things he's the one supposed to be here whatever's wrong and the man doesn't have any responsibility on his shoulder and and I say this as a boy mom because I have a son and you know I one of the things that I talk about a lot and people know this with my son is showing my son how to be a better man because at the end of the day I want him to be the kind of man that anyone you know the, yeah, the kind good of husband be a good husband be a good yeah. man be a good human being because yeah. we're first human right yeah. and um you know I was just thinking about a lot of the things the conversations that we've been having the other thing I know another bias that I think that we might see a lot as women is uh these I this idea that we have to be one thing and that you know you have to be one thing or the other that we can be everything you know I've heard this before you know sometimes you think that you know you can for you to be spiritual, you have to, you know, you can't be sexy and spiritual at the same time. You can't be beautiful and brilliant at the same time. You can't be strong and compassionate. Like we feel we have to give up one for the other, right? right? It's like, you have to trade. You, you don't have to trade. I can be everything. And one of the things that I've been trying to challenge myself, you know, as a little girl, everyone asks you, what are you going to be when you grow up? You say, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be that one thing. Why do I have to be one thing? Yeah. Exactly. Why can't I be everything? Right. I can be everything I want. If I want to be a doctor and a lawyer and an actor and a lawyer, you can be everything. There's there's the limit. We're the ones putting the limitations. You're laughing because, you know, I say that (laughs) (laughs) we can, you know, and I've been challenging myself. You know, it's like, yes, I ask filling out a form is the hardest thing for me because people ask it. So, Alex, what do you do? I start laughing. I start what laughing. don't I do? You should say, this is right. what don't I do? Yeah. I said, like, it's like, I start laughing because it's like, you're in the broadcast. Yes, I'm in broadcasting. Oh, you're in the media. Yes, I'm in media. You're in arts. Yes, I'm in arts. You're in entertainment. Yes, I'm in it. So which box do I fill? Can we take out those boxes? Yeah. And I find out that when you look at men and you look at some of the billionaires that exist, they have multi-passions, multiple investments, multiple businesses. They're doing it all. They're putting yeah. their monies in different industries and playing it like it's a big, they literally have that. So why do women, why do we tell ourselves that we're not capable of doing that when we are the biggest multitaskers? Yeah. Why can we go back and say, you know what, if I can cook and back a baby and I can do this and do that, I can, I can juggle different roles. I can be an actress and still be intelligent and still, you know, come, you know, are, I can still be committed to social impact. I don't have to be the idea of what a typical actress is. Right. right. I, you know, I, I can be that I can be sexy if I want to, but I can also be, you know, 
<laughs> I can still be whatever it is I want to. Yeah. So I think that, you know, the onus is on us to be able to set the example, to be that example and say, you know, starting like some, uh, Swapna said, individually saying, I have to take up space. What can I do to show up? What can I do to challenge the biases that I've held against myself? And I heard this bias, bias for a long time. I, I, I think I told you this, Frankie. Um, I struggled with my multi-talents. It was a struggle because I did. I struggled. No, I struggled with it. It was difficult for me. And what happens is that you come across like you're a confused creative. You're confused. Yeah. What do you do? Uh, I don't It's almost like, what do you do? Because people are expecting you to tell, oh, I'm one thing. I'm not one thing. And I have all these talents. Why did God give me all of these talents, right? There's there's a reason I have them. Yeah. And as a young person, you become so confused that it can hold you back. Yeah. Because then when you should take action, you don't take action. When you should show up, you can't show up. When they ask you to, you're like, oh, but then you're so talented and you're really good at it. Yeah. I remember somebody saying to me, oh, you're a jack of all trades. And, and my, I said, no, I'm Jill of many trades and I'm mistress of some. <laughs> There you go. I like that. I like that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm dealing many trades and I'm mistress of some, if not many. In other words, I am very good at what I do. Yeah. And I think when you come to, when you become aware of the possibilities, when you stop being afraid of what people will say, stop being afraid of social, you know, expectations, and you start just stepping out, stepping out, bring that energy and say, you know what, I'm confident about the things that I, I don't know how to get this done, but I will learn. I'm happy to learn. I'm happy to try. I'm happy to reach out to the people who can help me. That way you start getting more support and you start getting more confidence in being who you've been called to be. Me, as, as we listen to the young and, and everybody here, it, it occurs to me that there's so much, so much to change. And yet, you know, there's so many great ideas here, but where do we start? I mean, it almost seems like you have to start in the family at home. It has to start with men. It has to start with fathers looking at daughters in a different way and supporting them. So where do we start? Because we're starting here right now. We're pushing an agenda. We're trying to get it done, you know, outside of those 10 years. We're trying to get it done now. Can we do it? Can we do this, ladies? Yeah. Yes, we can. I surely think we can. And we should definitely stand for this, to break the bias. We correct our own um, unreconciled, mindsets about different biases we we all do some soul searching at some point in our life right so mm -hmm. it's good to do a soul searching of the many biases we have against our gender and correct that um, especially this i have a daughter someday i'll have a daughter-in-law how can i be split with one and the other the that are both women like myself right so i think we should we should fix it within ourselves and then as a community <laughs> You know what? I stopped myself yesterday because my granddaughter, I, I have 11 grandkids, but my grand, my youngest granddaughter who just turned four months, she came, my daughter um, FaceTimed her with me yesterday and I went, oh, you look so pretty. I went, no, no, no. That is not the first thing I should say to my granddaughter. You look pretty. And she, but she did. You know, she's beautiful to me. But no, I mean, I can't tell her she's so smart, but how, you know, you stop that, right? Like what do I, it, it's ingrained in us. You look pretty. You're beautiful. You're a lovely girl. You know, you're so feminine. Yeah. What do you say? You know, how do you stop it? And you have to stop. You literally have to listen to your own thoughts and stop them before they come out of your mouth. 
I think it starts with ourselves. What, where else would it start? We've got to start with us and correct yeah. ourselves. But then you have probably a few different layers. So you have your family and you have the social bias and then you have your professional bias. And it has to run through all these layers because otherwise it's, of course, not going to happen. And we're going to have to call it, up, it, it out. We really do. And it doesn't have to be um, someone who who is... Um, it, it can be just an automation because we're, we're so used to it. It doesn't have to mean something bad or that someone is actually uh, meaning something bad. Um, I met with a girl, a few girls last uh, Saturday, actually, the early teens, and we were talking about what International Women's Day means. And I was asking if, if they had any thoughts about it in the beginning of the talk and they looked petrified and they felt like they didn't have a clue about what it was. And we discussed what bias means. And then the more they got chatting, they realized how aware they were of it, which was wonderful to see because they learn so much at school now and um, um, what happened at school. So one girl mentioned that a teacher had to go and get something. So he said, uh, can I have a couple of strong boys to come with me? And the girls actually stood up and they said, why boys? You know, we'll yeah. go, we're strong. Um, so it's amazing that that progress needs to be, ha be happening. And I don't think that that teacher meant that only boys could do it. It's just a way of saying it. It's just tradition. That's so right. that's what we got to break. And we don't have to be nasty about it. We don't have to scream and shout if we don't want to do that. We can do it in a very gentle and soft and accommodating way. Because you know, it's well, I'm not better. offended when somebody opens the door for me. I'm not offended by that. <laughs> thank you. It's a thank you. It's not, it's not a big, oh my God, you opened my door. You know, it, it doesn't have to be that argument. And I think that you can be, you can, you know, be polite. It's polite to do that for people. You know, my husband puts my seatbelt on. It doesn't mean he doesn't think I can't do it myself. He's saying, I love you in his way. Everybody has their own way of saying things. And so it's, it, I think we just need to be cautious because there's one thing and, and jump in, jump in. The woke community is driving me insane. They really are. Alex, you're nodding your head. <laughs> what happened to you? What happened to you? No, 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 no. I was just saying that sometimes, you know, this, you were saying something about the work. And I think, I don't know who was it, a Simran or somebody said, oh, um, I think Ishita was talking about cooking. And, you know, I think sometimes people are just rebelling against some of yeah. these gender roles. They're just rebelling, right? You Cooking is something, like you said, it's a survival skill. Like you want to or you don't want to. Like it doesn't make you less or more of a woman. And I think that sometimes, you know, I, and I guess that's the, 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 the scary thing about, you know, boxing, what people are doing to the idea of fem feminism, in a sense, uh, yeah. being a feminist, is how it's become aggressive. And there are all of these wokeness, you know, rebelling against some of the things that are just basic, polite um, Manners. Uh, manners, you know, like, for example, I'm a strong woman. I don't have any problem with men. I don't have a problem with a man being, you know, doing whatever it is they want. I can do things myself. I'm very independent. Sure. I've always been independent. I started working at the age of 11. So I've always known what it is to work for mine and to be mine and to do my thing. Yeah. However, I appreciate support. And I think that we as women as well, we must understand that even as empowered women, we need support. Yeah. We need to, with that support with our sisters, with our support from you know, women like us, or even for men, you know, that we understand that solidarity and support is so important for us to grow together. And so I guess the beauty of this conversation is 
allowing people to know that I think the work starts with us, like me said, it starts from inside of us because we have to first, you know, Michael Jackson said, you know, take a look at the man in the mirror or the woman yeah. in the mirror, whatever it is. But you're the, you know, the change will start from you. You have to first ask yourself, what are the thoughts that I have? Personally, even against myself, you have some unconscious bias, you know, about yourself, perhaps about your looks. Sometimes you rebel and say, oh, I'm not going to make up just because I don't want people to think I'm pretty. And, and then you dim your own light. Why are you dimming your lights? Right. Because yeah, you're trying you're trying to, you know, step away from certain ideology and trying to fight the system. But then you're also, you know, dulling your own shine. So what I. Yeah, we could talk you know, for hours I, and we have and we have. <laughs> I think it's time to wrap up, but I just want to give everybody an opportunity to say whatever you wanted to say that you weren't able to, to say, jump in, who raise a hand. Okay. Can I jump in? You can, Chris. Um, when you kept asking, um, so where do we start? Where do we start? Then me and Alex just took it right out of my mouth. I was going to say it starts with us. Yeah. So you see my hair cut. When I started, most people just thought there was something wrong. Did someone die? Oh um, no. What's the- on is your hair damaged did you have to cut it because there's damage and did I'm like no <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like no I, I just want to go this way I, I feel more comfortable I'm tired of the other way but I just found out that people were women men everybody just felt something was wrong and it began to affect my um wow, confidence level. Yeah. yes and then I watched this movie um Napili Ever After and the lady there had to, she cut her hair and long story short and I heard her, she was always hiding when she's get, going to the office. But before she cut her hair, she just used to be very regal about the way she did things. And then someone said to her that, look, you need to own it. And that just resonated with me. I'm like, I'm going to own it. And ever since I started owning it, I've seen a lot of people come to me like, oh, Krista, how do you do it? I love the way you carry yourself. I love the way you color your hair every now and again. I'm like, it's just hair. It's going to grow. Anytime I want to go back to having a long hair, I will. Anytime I feel like wearing a wig, I will. But don't box me in and don't make me feel like if I don't have a wig on or if I don't have braids on, something is wrong. No. So I'm learning to own it. And I think it just has to start with us. Anything we want to change, we have to start with ourselves and people will see how we own it and they would be able to own it too. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, actually, I have one thing to say, actually. Uh, like, uh, feminism is like a topic that is, you know, seen as a negative one. And in, the, in India, uh, this is one of the very negative topics. Not even women want to talk about it. So there was a uh, scene uh, in uh, one of the cities where, where, where one of the women was, you know, uh, shown beating a man on a case, different type that I can't you know, describe. So one of my friends put the story on their WhatsApp status was that like famine is on the peak with that photo. And I was like, okay, what do you know about feminism? Just tell me about that. It's okay. <clears throat> so from this, I've, I had a long conversation with him and I just finally, finally told him that, okay, you deleted because you don't know anything about it. We had a long conversation. And I know you understood what I meant to say. Okay. So after that, I just understood that <clears throat> we need to talk about the things, not just on the surface, not just what we hear, not just what we look on the social media screens, because there are a lot of things that are not true at all. 
okay yeah. there are a lot of things that are just fixed in the mindset and they're put on the uh, uh, social media just because we have the freedom to put that right. okay but we don't know how it does it affect others so i think that we need to whenever we think about or whenever we hear anything we need to do our own research over that we need to go in depth for that for a particular topic to understand that better so that so we don't you know uh, uh spread the rumors about that topic and speci- uh, specifically feminism and any kind of movement because these are the movement that change the future of a lot of people and these are related to people of our country world so we need to go in depth this is my only message to everyone especially youth don't just listen and believe just go research over that learn about it and do better that's that's, that's a good that's a good, <laughs> good advice i like that i like that it's so true do your do your own homework and and take an opportunity when you hear these things to change your words and be careful about the words you speak me did it to me and i appreciate that so thank you <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much. This is International Women's Day 2022. And look at the future. It's so bright. And there's so many just amazing women here and futures here. And I'm so excited to see what you girls from Girl Power Talk are going to do and what we women from the G100 are going to accomplish this year. It's so exciting. Thank you so much for being my guest today. I really, really appreciate you guys being here. Thank you, Frankie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Frank. Thank Thank you, you, everyone. Thank Thank you, everybody.